to episode two, season two of Maxology. I'm your host, Max Weinswag, alongside Brian Penzek. Brian, how you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic, Max. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Long week for sure. Uh, the second week of the semester is... Are we on second or third? Second. Second week of semester is, is kind of more challenging than I thought it would be already, but it's the, it's the nature of life. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in today, thank you so much. We're going to talk about some baseball, we're going to talk about some stress, how to deal with stress, we're going to talk about some GPS and and why we use GPS and where it even came from, and maybe we'll even get to talk about how this one tortoise was able to save a whole species, maybe. Sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast. First, let's talk about stress. So, there's there's no lie, everybody gets stressed out, and good stress or bad stress, we all have it. And nobody wants to get rid of stress entirely because then you wouldn't know when when to like worry about things. You know, there's things that we need to actually worry about. You know, our health, our safety, our our loved ones' safety. Uh, but there are things that we might need to you know avert our attention away from. And I and I think that stress should be handled in in some sort of ways. And there's healthy and, and non-healthy ways. But I'm gonna talk, try to give you guys some tips about how I deal with stress, Brian's going to tell you how he deals with stress, and maybe we can dissect this whole thing and just be all become better at dealing with it because I've been really stressed this week. It's just kind of been on my mind. Uh, so first thing I do is if I'm really stressed about school, and, because, and, and why I get stressed about school is because of, you know, I, I want to do really well and learn a lot of things, and we're here to learn, and our, whoever is paying for school is, is here to uh, help us with that aspiration. And so what I do is I always need to find like a safe thing to watch. So like Netflix, for example, my issue with Netflix is I I personally would get too wrapped up in it and I would watch way too much. So I would try to only watch 30 minutes, but then I would end up being three hours. Now my go-to with that is I, on YouTube, there's a lot of just like five to 10 minute videos. So like like short clips of things and I try to like laugh so if, I, if I'm smiling and I'm happy I'm de-stressing so I watch a lot of these prank videos my favorite YouTube channel one of is something called Big Dawes B-I-G-D-A-W-S TV and he essentially goes all around college campuses and does social experiments so he'll go up to people and he'll be like he'll, he'll be like in the library and he'll like eat chips super loud and food super loud and it's dead it's like this quiet floor of the, the library and he's like harping on chips he's like and it makes me it makes me laugh so hard and and that's something i need to do to de-stress is just watch or do something that makes me laugh makes me smile brian you got you got a tip yeah stress is an interesting topic um I consider myself to be a very low-stress kind of guy. I float through life pretty much all the time, and it, it works pretty well. But I know this is going to sound cliche, but meditating helps. And I don't mean, like, sitting down and putting on old music and whatever and sticking your arms out and doing yoga. I mean, like, if you're just walking somewhere, instead of, like, thinking, just think about your breathing. Like, if you're just walking down the street, instead of thinking, like, oh, I have this assignment, I have this thing, I have all this all this crap to worry about, just think in, out, and, like, you can do that for, like, ten minutes. And then instead of, like, getting stressed out by your own personal story, everything you're watching just kind of becomes this movie that you're watching in the first person. And it's not really that stressful anymore, it's just something that you're kind of doing. Yeah, I see what you mean. You're saying just... just take a step back from it all yeah yeah and I, and I get that 
it is it is kind of trying to find that balance between what you should really focus in on and what you shouldn't. Yeah, see, now that's the problem. I'm a little bit too low stress sometimes. Like, if I get bored in class, I'll start doing that, and then that's not good, and then I have to, like, you know, learn the stuff later, which is kind of a pain, but I've been working on that. I'm getting, getting better at tuning in during the right times and tuning out during the right times. And that all leads to procrastination. And let me tell you, procrastination, we all do it. And there was a video that I used to that I had to watch for a class. It was the art of procrastination. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's an art form. If you're good at it, you're fine. If you're like bad at procrastination, where it like really all piles up and then you just can't handle it, don't do that. But like, if you're good at procrastinating, there's no reason not to. Yeah, right. And I think that you can do find your rhythm with this until it falters. Like if, right. if you're doing well with it, do whatever you do well with. But if you see some, you know, some habits that you're like lacking in, and it causes you some trouble, then we might need to think about changing it. Getting back to stress, though, something else that I try to do. Jim is Jim is kind of subjective because people either have time to do it or not to do it. Sleep is key for me. I I I am a big proponent that I will be so much more stressed out if I'm not on at least six or seven hours it seems like i get four to five every night but it, i feel it when i get seven if i get seven crisp like i don't wake up i just chill seven clean hours i'm feeling real good the next day that's true sleep is very nice so those are so those are two tips and the, and the last tip i want to do is talk to people you love and when i say that i mean it doesn't have to be your family it doesn't have to be your friends just Anybody that you just, when you talk to them, it just makes you feel better. Uh, I, there's a lot of people in my life that I know I can call and I'm like, hey, like I'm super bugging out, like out of sec, and I'm already feeling better just getting out all the, you know, stress out of me just by saying and admitting that I am stressed. Yeah, you just gotta vent sometimes. And I think that's important because I think that we live in a society sometimes where people to tear you away from venting and they're like, no, just keep it all in. You just gotta deal with it. Just handle it. And no, listen, I... I think about it like this. If you're a balloon and you're filled with air and it keeps filling and it keeps filling and it keeps filling, if you don't let out some air sometime, obviously it's just going to pop. And that's what I think about with stress, anxiety, whatever. Don't keep it in your balloon. You just got to let it go. Let the air flow. Just like Brian does. Right, Brian? I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I don't really, here's the thing. I don't really get that stressed out. Like, I try not to let things stress me out. Where some people, like... You know, you deal with a lot of stress, but then you let it out. If if you you're kind of, I guess, detached in a way, you don't really get as stressed out. But it's still good. Like if you do get stretched out, stressed out, like you said, to vent or talk to somebody. But it, it, stress is, like many things in life, I think, a lot more of a choice than we realize. Mm -hmm. Like you can, like, like for instance, I um. I forgot, the other day I was backing out, and I hit someone's car, and I was like, shit. And that was like, that one moment where I was like, shit, and then maybe 30 seconds after that I was a little stressed out, but then I was like, alright, you know what, I'm just gonna put a piece of paper on the windshield, they'll call me, and whatever happens, happens, it'll probably be fine. And then I basically stopped thinking about that, and later that day I got a text, and it was like, yeah, you left a note on my windshield... Um, you barely scratched my car, it might need new paint, if anything. No insurance. And I was just like, yes! But the thing was, like, I wasn't, like, freaking out about that for the whole day. Like, it would occasionally resurface in my mind, but for the most part, like, 
you can really just decide when to be stressed and when not to be stressed for some things. Yeah, and I, and I get that. And I think that that is also a very challenging concept for a lot of people. Uh, it, it is a true, you know, idealism that we would love to have that, but sometimes we just can't, we can't control it. Sometimes we get triggered by what we get triggered. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> that, that is true. I mean, human psychology is a weird thing. We're not, I'm not going to get into that, but also I don't really know that much about it. So I don't really have any platform to stand on. But it, to a large degree, you can kind of decide how you think. Yeah. Which is a very foreign concept to a lot of people. Right. And, and, and I think that we can all just get to the, to the summary part of this as stress is all about how you handle it. And we want to make sure that that is being handled in a positive way that only can help you. Moving on from stress, talk about something kind of crazy here. This tortoise. All right. So, Diego is a tortoise, and he is in the Galapagos, all right? There was a program where, essentially, tortoises were breeding together. And he had the most babies out of any tortoise. He had 800 babies. Imagine that. 800. How old is this tortoise? He's 100 years old. Damn, my grandma lived to 106, and she had, like, one kid. I mean, this tortoise, is, this tortoise's game is strong, Brian. This tortoise has some strong game. But this tortoise doesn't also have to deal with, like, societal, uh, you know, acceptable things. It's just a tortoise. It can fuck as much as it wants. Like, we, we don't right. get to do that. Yeah, because animals, animals act on instinct and where, and sexual impulse, and we act on desire. It's a little different. But apparently, according to one of the like professors who has done research with him from uh, Syracuse, says that he might amp it up even. He might go from 800 to 1,200. That's it's, insane. So he might, well, there's time, listen, time will tell. But listen, there, it, this, this Diego, guy, you can look this up. Look up Diego the tortoise. This guy might be the saving grace of the tortoise species. And we need them. We do need more tortoises in the world. I'm serious. But that was a fun a fun concept. Last thing I wanted to talk about uh, before, we, before we get into our guest uh, who's going to talk about baseball is GPS and navigation system. Okay. We are so used to by now, in the past five years, I guess. And when I started driving... Uh, Five, four or five years ago, this was already in, in a, you know, happening. When I was younger, it wasn't really. And my dad and mom would always argue about directions, and they would have no idea where to go. They sometimes still do because, you know, they aren't, they aren't used to modern technology as we all are. But GPS, without it, we would get lost so much. Oh, my God. Dude, it's crazy to think, like, you know... When did maybe like a hundred, two hundred years ago, navigator, and I don't mean like in an airplane sense, but I mean like charting new territory. That was that was like a career. That was a profession. Like, that was that was your life. Whereas now, navigator is like you own a rectangular device in your pocket. You don't have to have any training. You don't have to know how to like look at the sky and know which way to go based on stars and whatnot. All you have to know is like the address of a place you need to go. And that's insane to me. And right. it's, it's amazing, but it's also like, what happens if 
What, just, what, what happens to everything if a satellite shuts down? Like, I, 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 I feel like the people, world would just plunge into chaos. People people would go insane. It, it wouldn't, yeah. It people would, would have no sense of what they did before satellite. Yeah. Whereas, like, my grandparents, they'd be chilling. They'd be fine. You know, <laughs> but it's all of us right here who would be like, what are we doing? And it's weird how we're so dependent on technology now. It is. When I say now, I've only been dependent on technology. I can't remember a time where I wasn't. I've been, been growing up with it. My parents, though, my dad and I were talking, I think, a few weeks before I came here. We were saying how he would go outside and play cards and go outside and throw the ball around. And now it's just people on video games or driving. You know, it's just that human interaction is lacking these days. And you, you'll hear everybody say it, and it's going to keep on lacking. And it's interesting. I'm taking sociology right now, and we talk about it. We are just kind of this culture of technology, and it's not people anymore. Like, like our phones sometimes have more human sense than we do. Dude, oh, my God. I saw this, I saw this uh, advertisement for an app. I forgot what the app is called, but it was like, meet your new AI best friend. And I was like, all right, this is where it ends. This, this, everything's going to shit now. Cause people just, instead of, instead of going and talking to like a trusted friend or your parents or like, you know, I, I'm not a large proponent of therapy, but a therapist for, for instance, um, you're telling me Siri People, isn't a therapist? Not, not even, no, it's like a separate app. Like, <laughs> it's this app, and they have a human face, and you can tell it thing, and you'll be like, I forgot what its name is, I'll just, to quote Louis C.K., let's call it Jacanthopus, because <laughs> I thought that was a really funny name. So, like, you just tell this app how your day is going, and it's like, okay. And, like, it'll talk to you, and that, to me, is just mind-boggling. Like, why, why would you want to talk to your phone... And this program rather than an actual person. I'll be honest to you, Brian. Sometimes I think people feel that their phone is a, is a, is a safe safe place. It's not though. It's not at all. Like it's, right. It's a like, complete opposite. I'm like, not disagree, but I'm like saying for some people, you like, know, they they look at their phone and they're like, I'm not going to get hurt by this thing. It's inanimate. I'm just going to go and browse the web and just have more fun. And then they find themselves an hour later and their morale has gone low and they wonder why. Right. Because they go through Instagram and they see all these people and they're insecure about themselves. And then they go through Twitter and the world's imploding. Right. You know? Whereas we like, why am I sad all the time? It's like, put your phone down. (laughs) Seriously. Go look at a squirrel. Go (laughs) Go watch a bird fly somewhere. Go, like, say hello to a random person. Looking at your phone is not going to solve your problems. And I, I do it too, so I'm not like, you know, I'm a hypocrite just as much as everybody else, but constantly just diving into this rectangular object that, you know, let's say our satellite gets wiped out by like a solar flare, which apparently I just, someone told me the other day we're due for one of those. So if that happens, you know, maybe it'll be a good thing. Maybe people will learn to like reinteract with each other dur- during that like day when everything's down and nobody knows what to do. Yeah, I understand that. And I think that's a good place to, to kind of wrap up that conversation. But folks, imagine yourselves not using GPS when you're going four hours away and see how much longer it would take you. And here's my guest of the show, Will Dragovich. Thanks for coming on, my friends. What's going on, Max? How you doing? Good. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I've known Will for a while. Will and I are in the same fraternity. Uh, when he was rushing, I like got to know him, and we kind of bonded through our like love of sports and for baseball. 
Will's a Mets fan. Let's go Mets. And I'm an Orioles fan. Let's go O's. <laughs> kind of sad there. But what we wanted to talk about was essentially people think sometimes that baseball is boring. Essentially, if you watch baseball, you watch the pitcher throw the ball, the guy either hits it, misses it, and it's a pretty lengthy game. It's about three hours. Uh, they've gotten better at time, but it's about three hours. Essentially, just to wa- wait for someone to hit the ball. And people always say, Max, there's no running involved. There's no, essentially, like, strategy. And it's not the case. So, well, I want Will to bring Will on the show. And, Will, I, wanna, I want you to, like, ploy, like, like, give me your baseball argument for why it's so interesting. So, here's my thing on that whole debate in that, it kind of takes some experience in playing baseball to understand why the pace of play is not as big a deal as people think it is. Um, they're trying to add new methods of speeding up the game, like putting buzzers on the catcher and pitcher, actually, to give pitch signals rather than doing the hand signals like it's always been. Um, adding pitch clocks and stuff like that. And me, I like to consider myself more of a purist. I think the game is just fine as it is. But I do understand like the regular fan and why they want the game to go a little quicker. Um, what people don't understand is that there's a lot more going on at every time than what you really see. I mean, every pitch that's thrown, everyone on the field has responsibility. And even though it may be as minimal as moving about 10 or 15 feet, it really makes a difference to the person who has more of an understanding of what's going on. Like, being able to understand mentalities is a huge thing. Like, when I watch baseball, I'm not just watching to, like, see what pitch is thrown and see how far it's hit. I'm looking more at what is the pitcher thinking, what's the hitter thinking, maybe this runner might steal, stuff like that. And just other little metrics that a person who doesn't really have experience playing might not understand. Like, for example, shortstop and second base, there's boatloads of communication that people just don't really see. Um, A lot of it is just either using your mouth and talking or just more hand signals, stuff like that. But players at that level don't get there just by fielding ground balls and throwing it. There's a lot more that really goes into every play and that I feel like people, if they had a better understanding, they wouldn't be bringing up the pace of play as much. But it, there is an argument to be made that it's moving a little slow. I mean, there are times where pitchers take a long time, batters step out, and they're really just adjusting their batting gloves. It doesn't really matter and make a difference. But I think the MLB is doing a good job and just trying to speed that up and just do a better job in the future. Yeah, you give them enough steroids, they'll be real quick. <laughs> and they also had that. Like People think like no, nobody does anything wrong in baseball. There's been a steroid scandal. There's been people cheating, like more cheating yeah, than like yeah. football. I mean, it's kind of crazy what's been coming out recently. Apparently, and this not this part isn't proven, but apparently, like the players uh, on the Astros, the Astros won the World Series a couple years ago. Uh, one of the players was thought to have like a a, a cord below their jersey, so like it kind of like buzz whenever there was like a certain pitch coming, and they think that like his name is Jose Altuve, and that was the thing. They had the whole camera thing, and then the GM and coach, and that bench coach from that year, who's also the head coach of the Red Sox, are all gone now. And that's, I mean, that's kind of shocking to me. So, here, I like what the MLB did, honestly. A lot of people are saying that they didn't really do too much, but $5 million, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the biggest fines that the MLB has ever seen. Um, And taking away those two draft picks is huge. Like, that's really going to mess with their future and make it hard to get back to that World Series stage. I like how they didn't punish the players. Is The reason why is that... There have been a lot of reports coming out in the past week or so in that this isn't just the Astros. There's a reason why the Red Sox fired Alex Cora. There's a reason why Beltran and the Mets parted ways. But um, this is all over the MLB is the thing. And some of the accusations are crazy. Some people are saying that they're making electronic band-aids that actually buzz and give the pitch. Um, I think Jose Altuve's career is going to be tainted forever. There's going to be an asterisk next to his MVP. 
um, he's just not going to be the same player that young kids look up to because him being 5'6", being the shortest player in the MLB, he's been a real role model to a lot of people. And now there's a lot of news of him cheating and cheating his way to a World Series and MVP. That's always going to be different is the thing. But if you're going to punish the players, then it's then you have a standard to set. And if more reports of other teams all throughout the country are doing this thing too, then you got to punish those players as well. And if that happens, who knows where this can go is the thing. I mean, you might be suspending half the MLB. No one knows is the thing. So I like keeping the players out of it because you don't, you don't want to suspend everyone. You don't want to suspend all your superstars. Baseball has a problem. Markability is a thing. Um, so if you're getting rid of superstars, you're getting rid of viewers, you're getting rid of big fans who enjoy watching guys like, um, I don't know, the Tigers were involved. So guys like Miguel Cabrera or... Or guys like J.D. Martinez or Mookie Betts. Like, those, that's the reason why people watch, is the thing. So if you're going to suspend Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, then you got a lot more work to do on the line, is the thing. Yeah, and I, and I hear that. I think I was just so taken back by everything. As a baseball fan, as a, like, a huge baseball my favorite sport, it's just frustrating to watch it all unfold because, you know, you, you never think consciously, like, like, there's always, like, the Yankees, and we're going to get into this. The Yankees, like, yeah, they can buy whoever they want. But it's different if, like, the Yankees were, like, cheating. I would rather than buy people because they don't do anything cheating. Like, that's legal. They get the luxury tax. They just pay a shit ton of money. Whereas, like, the Astros legitimately, like, did something that they weren't supposed to do, which brings up the point. The Yankees... So so in the MLB, there's no salary cap. There's something called a luxury tax. So if you hit above a certain point in the... Uh, like, above a certain number of how late your payroll is, you have to pay a certain tax. The Yankees, obviously, have the biggest one. I think the Dodgers are, like, second. The Red Sox are always up there, too. So, so my thing is, with the MLB draft, how important is this when there's teams that essentially, if their owner has the most money in the league, they can just get whoever they want and essentially go to the playoffs every single year? Yeah, so as a Mets fan, I'm tired of hearing the same shit every year. I mean, yes, the Mets are a very sad franchise, and it brings me to tears all the time. But I think that, yes, you can buy your way to a lot of championships, but none of that happens without a homegrown core. I mean, even if you look at the Yankees back in the day where they were winning championships every year, it was Derek Jeter, it was Andy Pettit, it was Jorge Posada, and it was Mariano Rivera as the core four. Those are all guys that they pretty much brought a groomed and brought up through their farm system and really turned into who the Yankees are. I mean, even the Astros themselves, yes, they had a pretty high payroll. They brought in guys like Michael Brantley and stuff like that, but... Their core is Jose Altuve, it's Alex Bregman, it's Carlos Correa, it's guys they all drafted and brought through the system. So yes, the argument that you can buy your way to a championship, it is there, but all those teams that, I don't want to say accused, but are more culprits of doing that, they have their own growing core. Like, they have a very strong farm system, they have very good coaching staffs, and they draft very well. So yeah, money plays more of a factor in baseball than it does in most other sports, but if that were to happen, teams like the Royals, teams with small markets, they wouldn't win championships, and they do. So... It's really a healthy balance between just drafting well and developing players well and just finding talent from within and then finding those other pieces on the free agency market to really make your team better. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, and such as at any sport, you know, you really do have to, like, have a solid group of guys before you can bring in pieces. And that is, it's mostly like... Look at the Rays. Look at the Rays. No one wants to go play for Tampa Bay. There's no one there. No one goes to watch the games. They don't have that much money to spend. But they bring it. They find trade pieces for guys for their stars like Chris Archer when they brought in Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass. Now, I mean, teams that develop well and teams that draft well usually end up better than the teams that just spend all their money. Yeah, it's almost like you get essentially seventy percent, seventy to eighty percent you want through your draft, and then that thirty percent you can bring in through free agency, yeah. trades, yeah. or whatever. Um, but something I wanted to bring up. So with football. And the NBA, essentially, even though the NBA has a G League, but football, you go to D1 college school and you're really good, you're probably going to the NFL. Basketball, you go to, like, Kentucky, Duke, uh, Virginia, you're probably ending up going to the NBA. 
baseball, if you're a really good player, unless you're like a number one player, but if you're like a top 100, you're going to a college that's really good, and then you're going to the minors. You're going to go single A, double A. Do you think that that process, because you're on the club baseball team, do you think that that process... Shout out JMU Club Baseball, top 20 in the country. So do you think that that process should remain the same, or do you think maybe you could eventually, you know... Because it's in AAA, in their minor league salaries suck. And, you know, it's just... Oh, they're like, getting paid scrap change. They all have extra jobs in the winter. It's the hardest... I think it's the hardest sport to actually go to the pros, because there's such a process. So here's my take on that, and... This this is an exception for positions like quarterback or point guard where it takes a long time for these players to develop at a professional level. But there's two reasons why this is a big thing. Baseball, they start scouting much younger. Guys from the Dominican Republic or overseas or I don't want Latin America, um, they get signed at 16 or 17 years old. Like they're coming sometimes out of high school to really go play. And when you go to the MLB draft and the American-born players, they have the option to get drafted out of high school or decline their draft and go to college. I think there's a pretty healthy balance of guys coming out of college and guys coming out of high school. But those guys coming out of high school, they're 18 years old. They're not ready to face the 30-year-old mammoth like Garrett Cole. They can't handle 102 miles an hour yet. So it takes a long time for them to really develop into that player on the bigger stage. Now, in football and basketball, I don't want to say it's an easier transition. Basketball is very hard, the difference between college and the NBA. But they're drafted at older ages, typically, and it doesn't take as long to make an adjustment into the league. Now, in baseball, there's an outstanding talent differential between AAA and the MLB, and a lot of those players come out of double A even well. So a lot of them are skipping that third level. So it's just more of being able to adapt. It takes it takes longer, is the thing. Like, being able to understand pitchers and just be able to deal with the things that an MLB player deals with on a daily basis, minor league players typically can't handle that. Guys like Juan Soto who are coming up to the MLB and just, they look like they've been playing for 20 years. Like, it's he's an anomaly. Like, you don't see, like, see guys like that every day. I mean, like, having quality at-bats and being able to understand the game and slow down the pace, guys at that age just can't really do it. They really need that extra skill set and time to develop is the thing. So that's why, like, it might seem like the baseball draft isn't as important but um, the other thing to keep in mind is that baseball draft is also very long. You find guys in like the 30th or 40th round who turn out to be studs. Like uh, Mike Piazza is a good example, Mookie Betts. They were all drafted very late and they ended up having great careers. And I feel like the correlation between that and the NFL and the NBA just isn't as strong as the thing. Right. If you're you're probably just if you're if you're drafted in the last round of the NFL, I don't even I can't remember like a last round pick even being talked about. Tom Brady is one of the very few I can think of. I'm not he's, a big he's not even he's like a fifth round pick. I think he was fifth or sixth. Yeah. So like there's just you know few and far in between, and and baseball the draft is just kind of it's all different because I mean you're right, and there's the scouting people forget about the whole scouting system. I mean, the draft in the MLB is also it's not as glorified as other sports too. I mean most people don't even know when the MLB draft is. Right. Like, and then the NFL. <laughs> Drafts, they're gonna be like on boats this year. Exactly. Yeah. Like guys like Kyler, Mur- Kyler Murray come out oh, in these. What? Yeah. No, people <laughs> who are drafted uh, this year to the NFL are gonna be taken on a boat to the stage in Vegas where the draft is. Yeah, like baseball doesn't do that. Like yeah. they just don't spend that much money on it. Is the thing. So like most people don't watch it. They don't really know who a lot of the guys coming out of college baseball isn't as big as college football or college basketball either. Is the thing. So like a lot of the, the casual fan doesn't know who most of these guys is. Yeah, you have your studs like Steven Strasburg and guys like Garrett Cole who come out of college and they're just ridiculous. But a lot of the guys who end up being in the MLB and really making a difference on a championship team you don't really know about coming up, and they don't really you don't really hear about them until they actually do something. Is the thing. 
Right. And speaking, so speaking of that, essentially, you, you mentioned how, like, it's just not as popular with college. I also think professionally, MLB just isn't as popular. You know, obviously, there's, like, us who watch it a ton. But there's just a broad spectrum of people they would rather watch NFL, NBA, maybe even college football, college basketball. And I think, honest, if anything, the, like, cheating has been giving more attention. I don't know if it's the best attention. It's but been, true. Yeah. But it's been giving attention to the MLB. It's like when a fight breaks on the MLB. People hear about it. It's good for the... It's not... You don't ever want people fighting, but it's but good. But it's good to, for the ratings. You know, yeah. It's good to bring people to baseball. And I wonder if, like... you know, I don't want to like say baseball's dying out because I think it's the best sport, but it, it's hard for me to like understand that like NBA... 10 years ago, it wasn't that popular growing Exactly. Up. If you go back 15 or 20 years, the MLB, it was America's pastime. Like, everyone loved it. The steroid era, when Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were hitting 65, 70 home runs a year, everyone was watching. Unfortunately, they were cheating. The MLB didn't start scanning for PEDs until 2003. So before that, like, yeah, it was frowned upon, but, like, they weren't getting tested, they weren't getting suspended. So, unfortunately, the times where baseball are at its highest, like, when the Astros were hot these two years ago, like, it was all over the place. Like, you saw it everywhere. Like, Jose Altuve's picture was everywhere. You see a, a little short 5'6 guy standing next to 6'7 Aaron Judge, and it blows up all over social media. But, unfortunately, baseball does have a history of cheating, but that's also part of the game is the thing. I mean, this whole sign-stealing thing, like, yeah, it's a big deal, and it's terrible for the sport, but sign-stealing is a part of baseball. Like, if, if your signs are getting stolen... You're just not doing a good job as a catcher or as a coach is a thing. Like, like if you even go down to high school, there are teams that take people just to steal signs from the other team. Like, when you when you bring in technology and buzzers, things are different. Obviously, that's not allowed, and there should be suspensions for that. But it's part of the game is the thing. And I think that goes back to the idea that the casual fan just doesn't know that, and they don't appreciate that as much as someone who's been playing baseball for a long time. Right, and, and I truthfully, I don't I don't think, you know, if anything, NFL is going to go before baseball goes just because we were going to die, but, I mean, <laughs> baseball is probably... Yeah, baseball is the one sport where you're it's still probably boggles, not going to get concussion. It <laughs> boggles my mind when people got injured. This is a funny story. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Grand Slam is essentially when everybody's on base and the hitter hits a home run, so it's called a Grand Slam because all four and, people... And, and... Amila Dennis. And Amila Dennis. So <laughs> this is, is so there's a guy named good. there's a power hitter named Kendrys Morales, and this was a walk off. So a walk off is like when you finish the game and you win it for your team. He rounds the bases. Brian, listen to this. He rounds the bases, and as he gets home, he jumps on the plate to celebrate. Tears his ACL. He got hurt celebrating with his own team. I mean, do you know the name Lastings Village? No, what happened? He got hurt arguing with his umpire. He was called out at first base on a close play, and he was trying to argue. This is when arguing with the umpire was like a bigger thing. Like it wasn't an immediate suspension like it is now. But um, he stepped on first base, got called out, and he tore his ACL arguing with the umpire. Like literally trying to get in a fight with a guy who, if you touch him, you're suspended. He hurt himself doing. I mean, I don't. I just don't think you see that in other sports. Is a thing. Yeah, that's not the last question. Wait, 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 you mean he like physically hurt himself or he hurt his career? He physically hurt himself. He was out for a whole season because he was trying to argue with an umpire. He tore his ACL. Which oh. probably also in turn hurt his career. It definitely he's he's he is he's known to be like a not like a fighter but like aggressive and like starts arguing and stuff like that, but I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, and that and that's how do you crazy. tear your ACL in an argument? I'll be honest with you, Brian. How I don't do know. You, how do you breathe? You just kinda happens, you know? Uh, but, but that's, last, that's true. Last okay, question. I'll give you that. Last question. So, a lot of the things in baseball subjective, and we've gotten better with replay in terms of like a close call at first base if the player's out. We're really good at out or safe now. But we're still not good at balls and strikes. And we might never be. But there's talks of robot umps. Oh, come on. So, 
So I'm uh, I'm a fan of a home plate robot ump. Are you are you a fan or are you against it? I am against it. Um, I understand your guys' argument and how it should be perfect, but playing baseball my whole life and watching baseball my whole life, it just takes away from the game, in my opinion. I don't think there's a lot of credible evidence for my side of the argument and why it's wrong. I just I just think it takes away from the excitement seeing that umpire with the fun, like, third strike call. We see him just tear it back and just pull it over. Like, it's always a great time in the thing. And the only other argument I really have is that the strike zone in itself is not really a defined area. The strike zone is to the judgment of the umpire. So, yes, there's a pretty good assumption that it's knees to chest, over the plate, like... But at the end of the day, it's really down. The umpire, the ball can bounce, and the umpire can call a strike, and technically it's right. Like, that's what it is. So, speaking technically, it's not really right and wrong. It's just bad judgment. So, yeah, there's going to be the perfectionist out there who says they want the robotic umpire and have that computerized strike zone. It's just, it's not for me. I just don't want it. I don't really want to see it as part of the game. I understand. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking baseball, talking sports, what we can do about it, what's been happening, some robots. Uh... Maybe we'll see what happens in the future. Thanks for coming on, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay, guys, and that was Will Dragovich. Hope you had fun listening about baseball. I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. It's his, too. And I, I really do think that there is a place for it for everybody. We just have to all get on the same page about it. If you don't like baseball, no hard feelings. Thanks for listening anyways. And it means a lot that if you don't like baseball, that you listen to all of that anyways. So. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So, uh, listen, that was a lot of facts. And if you ever want to talk baseball, let me know. I'm all here. If you want a sport for me to talk about, also let me know. That's kind of the first time we've actually really gone in depth about any sport. I've been we wanting. Sh- we to should sh- go. We should go in depth on curling or indoor bowling or indoor bowling. Well, bowling's yeah. always indoors. What if it's an outdoor bowling lane? All right, we're gonna look into that for next week. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> guys, it's been a lot of fun today. You always get to where you're going by walking away from where you've been. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For Brian Penzak, I'm Max Weinswag. Thank you, and I'll see you next week. Mm